song that just played is called feel the way i want by caroline rose off her forthcoming album superstar it's out march uh march 6th on uh new west records she's gonna be playing at the basement east on april 30th i saw her play there a couple of years ago what was last year actually um for her uh loner tour which I, i first got into caroline from that album loner I remember seeing the cover, and the the cover of Loner is of her with, like, 20 cigarettes in her mouth. And she's wearing, like, this track outfit. And it really reminded me a lot of Sarah Silverman. When I first saw the cover, I thought it was for a stand-up comedy special. So I was like, what is this? And I was super interested in that. And uh, her new uh, album cover for Superstars 
it's of her wearing this weird plastic mask. I think it's going to be a pretty social album just from what I've read so far online. So I'm pretty excited for that. Um, you can find me on Instagram, the underscore poptimist. We're live streaming episodes on Instagram, trying to figure out all the kinks on that. Just see, seeing how it goes. You can also find uh, find the episodes on YouTube now. If you want to see uh, a video version of this, you just search for The Poptimist on YouTube and you'll find it on there. Um, you'll see the little Poptimist logo on there from the podcast. You can find me on Twitter at duh underscore Poptimist and then on Facebook as Taylor Berryman. I think that's everything. Here's the episode. Welcome to the Poptimist. Today we have Josh Galati. Hello, I'm glad to be here. Yes, and it's a, it's an exciting day in the uh, in actually the the warm February weather of the South that I'm very not used to. Yeah, dude, it's different, right? Yeah, you and I are both Northerners. I yes. think we can kind of agree that this is a this is a treat. Yeah, it's it's uh it's strange not being in this like three feet of snow in the middle of February. Um, but I kind of I honestly kind of miss the snow a lot. I was excited to see some the other night. We had a, like a coating, and mm-hmm. I, I couldn't believe it. I, I walked outside, and we were down. Uh, um, oh, just just the other night down at the uh, the Crying Wolf. Yeah, when the Crying you, Wolf. You were playing with uh, Emma Holden Trio was playing, mm-hmm. and the semi super villains and uh, Devin Moses. Yeah, it was, which was an awesome. It's just good good to see so many people I I know all playing together, sharing the stage, which was fantastic. So, yeah. But we walked outside at one point in between sets, and there was just snow coming down, and it was like, oh man, this is great because it felt like felt like home. Yeah. It felt like it felt like home. Uh, being a Pennsylvania guy, you know, I like that. Where'd you grow up in Pennsylvania? Uh, the Pittsburgh area. Okay. And so, you were you were friends with Isaac. Yeah. So Isaac and I go way back. Uh, Isaac Short of uh, Weird Sisters fame uh, down here. Uh, we we go back to we met when we were like eight years old. Really, in the, I didn't in the Cub your Scouts. Friendship was that old in the Cub Scouts? In the Cub Scouts, Isaac yeah. was a Cub Scout. Isaac Short was a Cub Scout. What was he like as a Cub Scout? He was a rambunctious Cub Scout. <laughs> I expected no other way. Yeah, no, that's the only way to do it, and uh, I think that's why we got along so so well. We were like yin and yang because I was very tame and he was like. All over the place. Yeah, so we we kind of that and our interests. We you know, a lot of a lot of uh, interests. I, I guess our brains are kind of wired similar, and we complement each other in that aspect. So we we just kind of hit it off, and then yeah, friends ever since. So when did you guys start playing music together? Oh man, I was I was twelve. So I guess we were both twelve or the same age. So yeah, so when we were twelve. So. And what were you listening to? What were you guys getting into? Showing each other music and shit like that? Yeah, yeah. Um, I started taking lessons off the same guy he was at the time. And so we just kind of fed off of that. And a lot of similar... It was... Because at the time, the guy we took lessons off of, fantastic blues player. And we we started off, you know, the blues basics, you know, doing 12-bar blues and cage system, things like that on guitar. I started with guitar and then transitioned to bass um, when I was in high school. And uh, we just grew up playing like classic rock and blues and things like that, and then kind of transitioned as we got older. And now it's kind of like all over the place, at least for me. Um, and I would say Isaac as well. They have a they're a multi. I'd say they're a multi genre band, the Weird Sisters. Definitely, kind of blur the lines and blend things up. They take a lot of things and they put it in a blender and then just turn that thing up to high, and they just just 
let that shit stir. Their genre is actually Blender. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I would say I would say their genre is Blender. Yeah, yeah. So you're a jazz bass guy. Yeah, yeah, jazz bass. Um, I picked up the first bass I played was a Washburn. Um, was it like a knockoff P bass or J bass, or was it? No, it was a unique. Uh, it was a B. A B10? It's like a Washburn B10. Active pickups and uh, a Rosewood fretboard. And the thing was like like racing. It was like a race car blue. It was my dad's from the, the 80s. He got it in the 80s and he gave it to me. Um, when I got into a band, Isaac pulled me into a band in high school and was like, hey, you have a bass at your house. Play bass in my band. And That's how all bass players are born. Th- exactly. That's the classic bass player tale. That's that's the, uh, yeah, the, the bass player fairy tale, basically. Uh, so what was like the pickup configuration? Was it like jazz pickups, P bass pickups? Oh man. Um, I want to say it was like, like a P bass kind of setup. Okay. Uh, I think, I, I think I'm trying to remember now it's been, it's been a while since, since I, since I sat down and played that bass. Uh, I don't even have it down here. Um, man, I can't remember. I I, th- I want to say P bass, or maybe it's one of the ones where it's like a combo kind of thing, where it's got like the like the straight like kind of single looking like jazz pickup in the in the neck, and mm-hmm. then like the P P bass kind of config in the bridge. Nice, something like that. What kind of music were you guys playing? Uh, in the band in high school, yeah, we, we were like indie. Was, was it, it original music? Yeah, or? it was all original. We, it was like a very indie indie original kind of style. Like the uh, I'm trying to trying to think something I could equate it to. Because uh, some of the covers we did were were things like like Passion Pit. We were like taking Passion. Isaac Pit songs. was in a band that covered Passion Pit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We played Sleepyhead by Passion Pit. That's a good song. We rocked it. We rocked it. <laughs> we did. Uh, yeah, yeah, we were just a, mostly original, but we did do some covers here and there. Um, but yeah, mostly mostly all original stuff that just kind of like like indie rock esque. Nice female vocalist. So yeah, the classic. Yeah, it was it was it was an awesome setup. I I love that. But yeah, what was your name? What was your band name? So we were called the Mad Hats, and uh, we we played. Uh, so we we played in, in uh, California, Pennsylvania, which is you know forty miles south of. Wait, Pittsburgh. there's a, there's a town called California, Pennsylvania. Yeah. So I like to tell people <laughs> I'm from California, and they're like California, yeah, California, Pennsylvania, and it's just like what? <laughs> that that just sounds way less exciting. There's a yeah, it's it's a small little college town. It used to be fun. It's not really that fun anymore. But yeah, a lot of meth and a lot of pills now. Oh, I'm sure it's a river town, Pennsylvania river town. So yeah. <laughs> so is there like uh, steel mills and like factories and shit? No, all through there. No, well, across the river there kind of was like it is is really weird the way the town was kind of nestled. It, it sat like on the bend of a river, and. I wouldn't even say like meth and stuff kind of took over. Yeah, there's some, there's like some, some, some stuff going on there, but it's not like some, a lot of the towns that were that kind of took over was like the big industry towns, the steel mill towns, which are, you know, down and away. California just kind of thrived off the college that they have. They have uh, the California University of Pennsylvania, and that was like the calling card of the town. (laughs) That was it. So, yeah, it was, it was, it was a neat little place and it had a cool music scene for a while. Um, I'm not really sure now. I didn't haven't really messed around down there for a few years, even before I came down to Nashville. So, but that's funny, dude. California, Pennsylvania, California. USA. Yep. It's never spent a night in Scranton. I <laughs> can't say I have either. Have you been to Scranton before? No, no. 
We're Scranton at in Pennsylvania. Dude, Scranton's in like, I'm pretty sure, and I'm probably wrong, but I'm, it's like not in the southern, but it's like central, I think. It, yeah, it's like. It's like central, right? It's like north. It's like. It's like north. Northeast, kind of. It's it's not it's not quite all the way to the east corner. It's a little bit towards central PA, but it's it's up like tucked up in the north, up in like the middle of nowhere. When I went to Vermont, we went through Scranton. Yeah, Vermont, Pennsylvania. No, we There might be a Vermont, Pennsylvania, man. They name towns after other states like crazy. Vermont's kind of far away from Pennsylvania. Yeah, we uh, went from West Virginia and went all the way, all the way north. We just went through. All the way, like, to, to the North Pole? Like, all the way north. All that's, the way north to Vermont. That's all. <laughs> but was, Vermont basically is the North Pole. Oh, man. It was, like a, it was a mandatory thing that we stopped through Scranton, though. That was like a detour we took. You had to go to Scranton. Like an office. Is that, a, is that because of the office? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, dude, I've been watching The Office a lot lately. I've, you know, I'm one of the few people that I think has never really watched all of The Office. I've seen maybe three episodes. It's a great show, man. For a long time, I hated that show. That's where I'm at right now. Is I tried to watch it, and I'm like, I don't know if I have a taste for this. Once it's an acquired taste, that's what she said. <laughs> um, I feel like a lot of people have acquired it, though. Yeah, no, I uh, I used to get get stoned and they would play like reruns of it on TBS and just run it over and over and run it over and over and I would watch it and I watched it when I was in high school because I think that's when it came out mm-hmm. when I was in, in high school back when you actually had to watch things as they aired otherwise you wouldn't see them yeah well the reruns they were showing then were like of like Seinfeld and uh, Cheers exactly. you know mm-hmm. the older ones. But it's a great show. I, I've grown to uh, to really like it and enjoy it. What's funny about it is, is the characters and their interactions. Yeah. I feel like everyone's kind of set up as a foil to each other in that show. That's what makes it so great. Definitely. Yeah. Absolutely. As someone who's not really a big fan, I feel like that's like the the really thing that, that like sells the show. It's got a great theme song, too. The, yeah. Yeah. I know the theme song. I know the theme song. Yeah. The only thing yeah, I never skip the intro that, either. That's the one that you're just gonna leave on regardless. Nice. Have you been watching any other shows lately on Netflix? Uh, hmm. no. Well, we watched. Uh, I watched The Witcher, and then I watched a little bit of You. Um, that was one uh, my girlfriend was interested in, and then we kind of started watching that together. And then I lost interest in it. Uh, it just got. Got too predictable, kind of. But uh, Witcher was cool. It was fun. I like the medieval kind of deal. A Superman, right? Yeah, yeah. Superman in 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 you know the fifteen hundreds. <laughs> um, what did you think of the Man of Steel movie? Are you a fan of Henry Cavill as Superman? I I didn't mind it. I mean, it was as an action flick goes, it was pretty good. I've never been a huge DC guy. Um, not not like a huge comic guy, but I liked. Uh, I thought it was, you know, big budget superhero movie. Did it was pretty cool. I mean, I, you know, it was good. It was good. I'll just say that. I liked it. Okay, I really like Zack Snyder a lot. The director. Yeah. Yeah. He did that. Uh, Dawn of the Dead remake. Yeah, that was when was that? That was like two thousand four. Okay. I used to watch that movie all the time. They would play it on. Um, we had like TMC or like some premium cable channel. Yeah. And I always just watch it because it had titties in it. 
<laughs> I like this, uh, this, the the the, 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 the zombies. That's why I like it. That's why I like this movie. Yeah, but it, it is a pretty good movie though. And the original takes place in, in Pittsburgh. PA. Yeah, yeah. They filmed. Uh, they filmed the Monroeville, the cemetery scene. I think they filmed at a cemetery down the street from my grandparents' house. Actually. Really? Yeah, yeah. The original George Romero, right? And he was the. Yeah, I think I think he directed the original yeah. Dawn of the Dead. Yeah, I think that one was uh or maybe it wasn't Dawn of the Dead. Oh, I'm sorry, I'm wrong. It was Night of the Living Dead, I think. Yeah, cuz that one also takes place in Pennsylvania. Yeah. Right? So it's it wasn't Dawn of the Dead, it was Night of the Living Dead. There's a cemetery scene that was from what I'm told filmed at a cemetery near my grandparents' house. Do you like horror movies? A little bit. It depends on the type of horror movie. I don't go for gore. Like if it's like saw things like that, where it's like intense gore um, and like ones that are just jump scares continuously. I like it to be more of like um, kind of like a psychological horror, mm-hmm. a little bit like that. And I like things that are just like really creepy and just give you like that creepy vibe. I like, I like a good creepy vibe in, in a horror movie. Yeah. So I'm trying to think of a good example. Um, and Stephen I, King, dude. Stephen King movies. Yeah. Yeah, we'll just yeah, like like The Shining, something oh, like yeah. that, where it's like you have this like looming dread kind of feeling, like all right, there's gonna be something like any second now, and you're just kind of on edge waiting for it, like the whole time. Yeah, yeah, like yeah. 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 Have you seen Wrong Turn? No, I have not seen Wrong Turn. That's in West Virginia. Yo, yeah, okay. That's about inbred cannibals, right? <laughs> that's West Virginia's a perfect, perfect place for it. I don't. No offense to West Virginia. Yeah, I think I've seen Wrong Turn before. I know they did like a a remake of it or a sequel or something like that, and I think Henry Rollins was in it as like a commando dude that went around killing these cannibals. Okay, that's in the woods in West Virginia. Wow. You never know what you're going to find in the woods of West Virginia. You really don't. Taylor, did you know any moonshiners in West Virginia? Yeah. Some family members. Selling it, selling the distribution. Like yeah. Sell alcohol without license. Yeah. I know people have been caught, and I've actually I found I found a, a steal when I was like hiking through the woods where somebody made it. Was it like fresh or was it like abandoned? abandoned. Okay. Yeah. Let's say if you came up on like like a fresh, yeah, a fresh moonshine moonshine still in the woods. The <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you might Bloody never come smithereens, back. Smithereens, dude. Yeah, you never. Yeah, Never coming back from that. Oh. <laughs> so you're from Pittsburgh? That's awesome. I, I love Pittsburgh. So what's okay, what's your favorite thing about Pittsburgh? I mean, I'm such a tourist, but I do like the Penguins. The Pens, yeah. I, I'm not not a huge sports guy, but if any of the hometown teams that I follow, it's it's the Pens. I'm I like, you know. I like um, I like hockey a little bit. PPG, PPG Paints now, I think it's called. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I went and seen a a show there, and there's, like, no bad seats in there. You can see it, like, really well from everywhere. That's what I heard. There isn't, like, a bad seat in the house, because they have, like, a lot lot of big-name, you know, artists come through. So, 
think I went and seen Coldplay there. Really? In 2015 or 2016. I hear Coldplay's a great live band. Dude, they're a great live band. I know like people give them a lot of shit, but like, they were crazy good live. I would, I would love to see them live, actually. I used they're to be a big funny band because uh, they used to be like indie darlings, and then they just went full pop. Yeah. Like the full pop. Which there's nothing wrong with that, but their their last couple of albums I haven't really been into. I haven't kept up since that one, uh, My, Milo Giletto? Milo, uh, Milo Giletto. Milo Giletto, yeah. I didn't that listen was, to that one. What were some of the songs on that one? Um, Paradise. Yeah, Paradise was on there. Is that the one with like that funky bass line? What's, oh, no, that's uh, para, para. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's it. I have that one on vinyl, actually. Really? Yeah, because I got really big into Coldplay, but like I still like their yeah. Did you know that they were called starfish? Yeah, I think we talked about that. Yeah, they were starfish first yeah. before they were Coldplay. How did that's okay? They bought the name Coldplay from a band in a bar. That's awesome. That's awesome. That's a really good origin story. Like, yeah, we wanted to change our name, but we had to buy it off some some guys at a bar. Like, what? what you... I like that album X and Y. X and Y is like a classic. Yeah, that's the one with Fix You on it. That's a great song, dude. Yeah. That is a very depressing. I was gonna album. say that's yeah. a breakup album. It's 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 a great so, song, but it's uh, got that yeah. I don't even remember the name of the album. Ghost stories. That that album's really like dark. I feel like they have a lot of heartbreak music, kind of. Come to think of it, yeah, a yeah. lot a lot of their music is breakup the music. Yeah, yeah. Oh man, the scientist. I was I heard some guy playing that on Broadway on a piano. Actually. He was playing all of Coldplay's like discography. I think he was just going through like album by album. He was sitting there, just rolled up with the piano. Like, maybe the he just broke up. He might have. Maybe he did. Maybe he was trying to get his girl back. Maybe. Maybe he was just. I'm gonna go on Broadway with a piano and play all of Coldplay's discography. Did it work? Yeah, it's just like four chords. Four chords and you just sit there and play the same thing, but that's still impressive. Those are always the most impressive songs to people. Yeah. Because they can sing along to them. Yeah. Wagon Wheel. I think, uh, speaking to, to bring up Isaac Short again, uh, he he said that at any point, and I remember he told me this uh, the first time I came to Nashville, he's like, yeah, I go down to Broadway and uh, pretty much every single bar has their windows open and there's a cover band each playing a different segment of the song Wagon Wheel all at the same time. That's pretty accurate. That in <laughs> Sweet Home Alabama. Yeah. I think, uh, yeah, there's there's so many. Uh, it, it really blew my mind the first time I went down to Broadway and, and just like was like, wow, this is really cool. Look at all these bands. And I'm like, wait, I think they're all playing the same thing. Dude, but, you can get paid down on Broadway. Though. Yeah. Yeah, I mean they make really good money off of. I mean, just tips. That's like all they make is is from tips. But it's it's all living. That's for yeah. sure. That's for sure. Would you play down there? That man, that's that's interesting because I would. I don't want to say no, but I don't want to say it would be my ideal thing because I would do it, but it wouldn't. It, it might not be the ideal situation for me. Just yeah. stylistically, what I like and what I'd like to do, kind of preferably with music. I'm a whore. I, I would definitely do it. <laughs> Just I'm trying to never Broadway. work ever, ever, ever again. That's the dream. <laughs> That's, dude. I didn't have a job for like a year. I did Uber and Lyft, but I don't really count that as a job. 
Right. I mean, it's it's still a reliable source of income, especially like... I don't know economy. if I call it a reliable source of income, but it was well, a source of income. It's a popular service. I mean, yeah. so I don't know. I guess it's kind of... Yeah. I mean, I when, when I did that, it was really... It was honestly really nice not to have to go somewhere and have someone tell me like where to be. Right. And that was the beginning of me really deciding that I wasn't going to try and get like job jobs anymore and advance my career at an office or some shit like that because I was just always so miserable because it, it just it never worked for me right like it never worked for me some days I get up and like I want to just go for a drive or I want to wake up and practice right away yeah and well, it just wasn't fitting your personality no yeah no and I don't know if it really fits anybody's personality because everybody that I knew who worked or worked worked some kind of job it's very rare that someone actually loves their job. It is. It is. And it's, it's, it's weird. It's a weird thing. Cause to me anyway, everyone's different and has a different nature, which is, you know, the cool thing about the human condition and being a person, I guess. But I feel like at the core, like, I don't know. I feel like at the core, like an office job being stuck at a desk behind a screen doesn't fit the human genetic makeup i guess because like we're like nomadic explorers i don't know like I, maybe that's just thinking no, I, thinking like way too far back no i i agree I'm, I'm getting deep i'm getting deep on the poptimist man oh jeez. So I, I worked with isaac for a little while at a company that will not be named i okay. think you know the know the one and i definitely got fired from that job because i just wanted to watch joe rogan i was like <laughs> i'm gonna work and just like listen to joe rogan and watch that and they didn't like that, dude. And it's like, if, if a job, if I go into a place, I roll a certain way and I can just kind of do my own thing. I follow the, the bare minimum of rules. And then from there, it's just like, okay, I'm here and you, you get whatever is here right now. Yeah. Like, that's another thing, dude. Like, with jobs, they just take and take and take and take and take. And it's like, no, fuck you. This is a two-way street. Sometimes I'm giving you, you my turn it time. Around. Yeah. Yeah, sometimes you got to turn it around because I mean there there are so many so many times where you can get stuck at a place and people start to leave and then they just pile everybody else's work on you. Like I've seen that happen to a ton of people at places I've been where it's, they're just drowning in other people's work because they didn't. Well, so and so can do two people's job. We'll just leave them to do that for the rest of forever. Yeah, until, until they crack and then yeah, and then we'll get someone else. Yeah, do three people's job. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah, that happens all too much. But I, I feel like at the core, I mean, there's there's like, you know, I don't know. It's weird. It's weird. That's one of the weird things about life that I'm trying to figure out right now is like, you know, what what would fit me? What kind of what's a steady a steady way of working that I can like have that fits me, that gives me time to work on my creative outlets that give me like sanctuary in life. Like that's where I what I grasp a hold of is 100% dude, you know, and just trying to find a way to make working and creating work together and, and have the yin and yang. The harmony of that is really hard to do. Dude. It, it took me like two years to kind of build into what I have now. Mm -hmm. And it's like, I work at a radio station and I drive for Uber and Lyft. I do random odd jobs, whether it's like painting or help like working with Taylor doing stuff downtown or whatever. And um, I just, uh, I have the bad tendency to uh, to never say no to an opportunity when it pops up. Yeah. So it puts me in situations where I'm just over-fucking-loaded with work. Oh, definitely. 
Definitely. That can really, that can, that's a two way street in its, in itself that yeah. being, being a yes man kind of. It, yeah, absolutely. And, and it's like, I just see an opportunity and I, I always want to take it, but some opportunities I've come to learn, I don't need to take. It was like last week I, um, I was just running so fucking ragged because I was working 5 a.m. till noon at the radio station and then <sighs> that's that's an early shift. Yeah, and then the wow. and I have to be up by like 3:40 to get there on time at 4:30 cuz I really have to be there at 4:30 to prep. Right. And um I had one night I had to work until 7, which is you there's no way to get 8 hours of sleep if you work until 7 cuz 7 till 3 is yeah, 8 hours. Yeah, there's your right. And that's not counting like a half hour getting home or any of that shit. So I was sleep deprived one night. The next day I have to get up again. I got like maybe four or five hours of sleep, woke up, went to work and then got out of there. And, um, I had a gig that night. So I came home and slept for an hour or two, woke up, practiced some. And then I had that gig with Emma, dude. I, I barely had any sleep. And then we didn't get out of there until around midnight. Once I got out of there, I had to come home and jump in bed really quick because i had to be up at 340 again jeez man that's so i just said wow. yes to all this shit in one week which i'm ha- i'm happy to do it and i feel very grateful to have all this stuff now right but now i'm at a point to where it's like i'm pulling back on stuff and figuring out really where to put my time yeah but it's a hard balance because most of the stuff musically i do is free and like the podcast is free you know no one no one's paying me to do shit like that right now right which is the goal yeah, exactly. Build it up into into you know, expand. Exactly. But in these in these years, whatever whatever this time period is of earning your stripes, it's it's like figuring out how to run a business. Like run my my life, which is like the Poptimist Inc. All the different things I'm doing. They're right. all different wings of the company, whether it's my job at the radio station or the podcast or playing bass. Yeah. And it's figuring out how to balance all those things. Because the, the thing that, for me, it's like I, I figured out a few unbreakable things. Like, what is unbreakable for me? And that's I want to practice every single day. And I want to be playing music every single day. Right. And I want to be doing this, the podcast. And it's tough, dude, because there's so much shit. You got to worry about rent. You got to worry about bills. You got to worry about this. You got to worry about that. And it's just like. I don't know. You know, it's just so stressful. There's some figuring yeah. out a balance. Some days you What's wake right? up and it's just like, wow, sometimes sometimes things like that seem so insurmountable and it's something that I learned that kind of helps me out with that is just looking picking it apart, but even then it can be tough cuz it's just like, wow. Yeah, what's, dude. You know, I got to do this thing this way and that and yeah. I I totally understand what you what you're saying with that because especially running your life like a business that that's that's a skill that like you know i think is is really important to think about is because everything kind of feeds in together and it's like hey what's going to be like the best move for me just personally yeah. you know like benefit you as a person and and sometimes saying yes to everything can like you said lead you to like an overloaded state but yeah. it, it's hard because you know it's it, it, there's so many opportunities that can come along where you think oh this will be like the best bet for me but then i don't know like maybe sometimes it doesn't always turn out that way i don't know it's, no it's a guessing game sometimes you don't know you've stepped on a landmine until you've stepped on one right <laughs> right and your leg is blown apart and you're just figuring out what the fuck like what the fuck do i do i had i had one of those weeks last week and now i just i have a really better picture of 
what I need to do. And actually, the, the unbreakable, the number one on the list is getting eight hours of sleep. That's a really good goal. I That's don't sleep enough. That's the most important thing to me is sleeping. I don't get enough sleep. I've not placed. I've not been placing enough value on sleep the past couple of months, and it's really starting to show. Really? Yeah. Are you just starting to go a little crazy? Or I think I. I think I went crazy a while ago. I'm not too sure, <laughs> but um, yeah, yeah. I just. I definitely need more than like what I've been getting, which is like roughly four four to five hours probably a night. Yeah, that's rough, dude. Yeah, I, maybe six. Six is well, probably five or six, which is which is okay. But I'd like to eight hours. Is sounds sounds a lot better. Yeah, it's it it makes me just function way more. I'm way more efficient at everything that I'm doing, and it's like I've started looking at my schedule and thinking, how can I parse this out to where it's manageable? And the number one thing on that list is sleeping. Like in order to be able to do anything else, I want to. No matter what time I go to bed, it's like okay. I have to get eight hours. I just try and wake up naturally because I came home Friday night. I got out of work at uh, noon again, went, and then I went painting with Taylor. So we were doing that, got out, done with that at like four or five, had to go run some errands, got home around seven, and I slept until nine the next morning. Nice. So I, I was I made up that sleep, dude. Yeah. My body fucking needed it, bro. Yeah, it was telling you. It sent you a message. Yeah. It was like, hey, you need to just chill out for a little bit just calm down and yesterday and today i just kind of took the day to to do my own thing and just like i didn't do shit yesterday i went over and i practiced with emma and james last night so that was one thing that i did but that was after like i was like i'm not doing anything today yeah and then you need those yeah absolutely those are important man i have such a hard time not doing anything because i always feel like i need to practice i need to do this i didn't practice at all i i and it's been shitty dude this week because I was so crammed full. Like I barely got to practice. Other than prepping for my gig with Emma, I barely got to practice on my own. And practice is something that I'm taking very seriously now. Yeah, that's and, what we we talked about previously. You know, mm-hmm. how you've kind of really tightened up your, your practice schedule and found out what fits kind of working on that, which is awesome. And I think something that everybody needs to kind of do at one point. It's difficult to do, dude. Yeah. Like it took me until I was 28 to figure out how to practice efficiently. <laughs> and it really just breaks down to, to going slow. Yeah. And how long have you been playing? If just to... um, I've been playing now. Well, I started playing when I was... started playing bass when I was 14. And bass was my first instrument. I was a, ba- a bass player right from the jump. Okay. So it wasn't, it wasn't the classic guitar player? No, player. I was, I was a rarity about... in this story. Man. <laughs> um, the exception. Um, but so yeah, I've been playing for 14 years now. Um and it took me that long to figure out how to practice in a good way. Yeah. And what I do is I break down, so I'll either do 1 hour or 2 hour practices. Um and I'll do like 10 minutes on one thing, so I might sight read for 10 minutes, just straight up like sight read exercises. Break for 5 minutes, do another 10 minute break or uh, another 10 minutes of practicing. And then that I might do work on jazz theory or harmony or something like that. Five minute break and then 20 minutes try and work on a song, whether it's a song that I'm playing with Emma, a song that I might be producing that I'm trying to learn for a gig or just something fun. Yeah. Sometimes I think that's important too. Fun is very important. It's, it's important to keep it fun and to keep it loose. So mm-hmm. sometimes I'll just play whatever I'm listening to or something that I'm liking. Yeah. And then if I do a two hour practice, it'll be 20 10 
20, 10, 40 minutes working on a song. So, and I write everything down in a journal and I make notes of what I worked on that day. And now I'm trying to figure out like Monday, Wednesday, Friday, maybe work on this Tuesday, Thursday, work on this Saturday, Sunday, work on this. Damn, you are a structured fellow with that. I I love it. I got to this point, dude. It was not always that way. Yeah, it was, it was a built, it was an acquired thing. Yes, absolutely, dude. And it was from, from honestly just shitting myself on stage too many times, dude. <laughs> like, I would go out to the, the blues jams, whether it was Kara uh, Lippman's blues jam or Pop Attorney's or whatever. And they, they, they were always very encouraging to me when I would fuck up. Yeah. They were always very encouraging. They never gave me shit about it or anything like that. Because, mm-hmm. like, when you fuck up, you know what you got to work on. Yeah. Yeah. And for me, that oh, has always feeling. been slow blues, dude. I <laughs> fuck up a slow blues like nobody's business. Oh, one of the first jams I had with anybody when I came here, we were doing blues, and it was just like, I forgot how to count or something, man. I don't know. It was just, like, really embarrassing because I hadn't played blues in so long, like, years. I've just been playing, like, funk and just doing like weird just free jams with people that weren't structured and no those are the best though they're really fun you can get lost in those like real quick you can go from like all right we'll jam for a few minutes to hey we've been playing for like an hour now maybe we should wrap this up and take a break but it's yeah i I was just like wow um okay (laughs) let me let me make sure i'm doing the changes in time and things so it was actually to think about it which was really weird it was really embarrassing and i was just like whoops okay those moments are valuable dude i mean those are those are honestly i think the most valuable moments as a as a player especially when you're playing with monster players on stage or just jamming with someone yeah fuck i can't this is embarrassing yeah you had that like moment of shame where you're just like you know like you said like you shit your pants and you're just sitting there with like a red face and you're like oh man i i I don't yeah you you feel like you're not a musician yeah Yeah. that's the first thought that comes to your head like man i'm not i'm not a musician i shouldn't do this there's this great sometimes i shouldn't say it's the first thought that comes to everybody's head but yeah it's it's uh, something i think that crosses a lot of people's minds yeah yeah um there's this great book that i read called effortless mastery i can't remember the name of the the guy who wrote it but it's basically like a self-help book for musicians and so much of it talks about the way that we talk to ourselves as musicians saying like this is not good enough this is not this this is not that i don't like the way i'm doing this and what the book says is that's all ego driven right which it is yeah absolutely because we got to give our ourselves the space to to fuck up and to and to be bad or to sound bad in those moments like one of the things he says in the book is don't try to sit down to write a good song try to sit down to write a bad song Oh, that's that's a really interesting way of looking at mm-hmm. it. Because huh. sometimes you got to write two or three of those, and then you get to somewhere where yeah. this, like an idea or a concept is is more fleshed out, mm-hmm. um, or some kind of aesthetic or something like that. Because it's like I, I haven't been into songwriting in a really long time. Like pretty much since I've been been to Nashville, I've, I've maybe written five or six songs which is crazy because this is like the songwriters town yeah yeah this is like singer songwriter central Mm-hmm. but um that's something that i think this year i want to focus more on I, I would like to get back into that but when i i had a big writing phase when i was probably like 22 or 23 i was living in maine smoking a lot of weed 
partying all the time, getting laid, living the life. And I listen back to those songs and I, I hear that now, but it's like I'm a different person now. So right. it's like figuring out where you're going to go next artistically. The songs you wrote then don't feel like the person you are now. Exactly. Uh-huh. It's yeah. like a snapshot in that time. Yeah. Yeah, it's amazing how much a situation can influence. I mean, that's kind of where I think a lot of influence comes from musically is, is situations that you're in. And kind of like what life throws at you is what inspires, you know, what comes out of you musically sometimes. Mm-hmm. A lot of time. What's your songwriting process like? Wow. Uh, that's something I've been developing more the past year, year or two. Um, because for a long, there was like a, probably like a three or four year stretch where I just wasn't doing any songwriting and I wasn't much of a songwriter before that at all. So like I started getting into songwriting and then like immediately like jumped out of it for a while and then kind of came back into it. Um, my process is kind of, cause I do a lot of acoustic is where a lot of stuff starts off on or me like just noodling around with something. And then once I, I always seem to have a music, a musical idea before I have a lyrical idea. If I can even get a lyrical idea to form at all, I feel like lyrics are usually kind of forced for me, but a lot of the acoustic stuff kind of ends up being emotionally driven. Uh, whereas a lot of the stuff that's more, more fleshed out instrumentally, like maybe, you know, has a, more of like an electric guitar, like a full band kind of sounder. I started messing with some stuff and kind of branches into like the electronic kind of realm um, with like synth stuff. That's more of, there's an emotional drive to a point, uh, but a lot of the times it's just like, oh, hey, I, I like the way this sounds, and it's kind of kind of me being less emotionally driven and more just like artistic, creative, like blank canvas. like Following fresh the mind. sounds. Yeah, yeah, just, just going on that journey, like chasing a sound. Like you get a sound in your head, and it's like a little bug like in your ear, and you're like, yes, this is, this is what I'm going to chase, and you... Like you said, you follow the sound. You kind of just go where it where it takes you a little bit. It's kind of like a domino yeah. effect. Yeah. Because it's like you hear one sound, then you hear another one, and then right. you hear another one. And, and you think, what can I layer on top of that? Exactly. Oh. Or you try that, and you got to take something out, maybe. It's like a little too much. Yeah. When I played my first solo gig, that was one that you opened. Yeah. You opened that, that night. That was a fun gig. And I, I was uh, actually playing with Dustin Sellers that night. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um that was awesome. Yeah, thank you again for getting me in, into the fire. Yeah, that was awesome. Down the fire. Yeah, floor. of course, Excellent. man. You played. Um, you played a song. I think you said you just wrote it recently that night, and it was a love song. Yes, that's a great song. What is that song called? Oh, um, uh oh. Do you know the one I'm talking about? Yeah, I know the one you're talking about. Um, what was the name of that? I wish I had my notebook in front of me. Um. Well, anyways, it was a, it yeah. was a great song. Any, <laughs> thank you, thank you. Yeah, uh, yeah, man. I wish I could remember the name. That was uh, I just finished that one like the night before. Yeah, which was it was fun. It was just I was it was actually kind of weird because I was playing experimenting with like more jazz chords and things, and that's kind of where that one came out of. And yeah, I, I like I said, the acoustic ones end up being kind of emotionally driven love songs, kind of things like that, which I don't view myself as like a love song kind of writer, but somehow I end up writing. Maybe love you songs. are, maybe dude. I am. And I just, yeah, maybe I'm, maybe I'm a little kind of Ed Sheeran esque. I don't know. I don't, that's weird. It's, it's weird. To, I don't, cause I don't view myself in that 
aspect, but I feel like I have songs, that, a lot of songs that come out that way. How do you view yourself? That's a really great question. Um, how do I view myself? I'm just, I, I don't know. I have a very, very strange view of myself. I, I feel, especially right now at this point in my life, my view of myself is kind of, I don't know. It's hard to have a view of myself because I feel like I'm in new a new environment. I'm in such a transitional period of life and it's like, okay, sometimes I have to like adjust like the view of myself. Like how I see myself as a musician is I'm just kind of a uh, very free flow kind of whatever I'm feeling in the moment. Cause like what I like to listen to very so much stylistically and crosses the lines of genre so much. And I've been getting started getting a lot into like nineties hip hop. And I was like, that was really influencing me a lot. Well, like Biggie Smalls, Tupac, uh, Wu Tang, Wu Tang Clan, nice. Jurassic Five, um, Public Enemy, yeah, a lot of a lot of that. Biggie, yeah, definitely, definitely Biggie Smalls. Um, but yeah, a lot of a lot of like Wu Tang, Public Enemy, um, MF Doom. I really like MF Doom a lot. Uh, yeah, I found another really cool group recently called King Ghidra, based off of King Ghidorah, the Godzilla monster. Really? Yeah, that's yeah, and they have clips from like the old black and white or the old not black and white, but the old like Godzilla monster movies, and they yeah. have like the sound bites in there, like in their songs. And nice. I love when people mix in like cool like old sound bites in yeah. with like a good beat. I'm just like that's neat. I just it entertains me. I don't know what it is about it, but something I find really interesting. Yeah, dude, it's uh it's interesting when you first moved to Nashville. Because it's like you're here in this musical environment surrounded by people who are trying to do the exact same thing of you. It's scary. As you. Yeah. It's very scary. And it can, it can, it led me to feel like feeling very unsure of myself. And I was in intimidated by a lot of the players that I was playing with. Yeah. Um, but it was honestly the best thing for me. And it, it just took, I, I, we've talked about this a lot on the podcast, but like the first six months in Nashville are your, your hardest. That's everybody says everybody says it is hard as fuck the first six months that you're here because not a lot of people know you yet you might have some friends here or whatever but um not a lot of people know you nobody wants to play with someone that they don't know or that they're not friends with right or that they don't want to hang out with yeah which i understand oh yeah um but it's hard to adjust because it's like you get here and there's every vice that you can imagine there's there's drugs there's sex there's booze there's partying there's all this shit just like free here people just give you shit you're just going places getting stoned all the time getting drunk it's distractions galore yeah honestly like, yeah yeah <laughs> and it's in the distractions are not the reason why you moved here that's no they're distractions from the reason why you moved exactly here. you had like a focus and it's and that's kind of how i feel is like i have a reason why i wanted to come here and then i came here and it was like why'd i come here again <laughs> kind mm -hmm. of you like look around and it's like man and and those months are a struggle, but they pass you by. And a problem I had was like, I felt, I feel like, oh man, like I, I got here and was hard on myself because I felt like I should be playing more. I should be playing with all these people. I should be making these connections and doing these things. And it's like, just need to slow down and, and like get settled and get your head on straight first. You're right. And that's a natural feeling. And I didn't do that. I, I, and I look back and I'm just like, man, I wish. I would have just like calmed down and like looked at things through like a more relaxed lens, like musically when I first like, like I mean, I've only been here for, you know, like six months, basically yeah. I'm, I'm coming out of that phase, like the first you know six months. But yeah, it's, 
looking back, I, I hit the ground running and I kind of tripped and did a little somersault. But hey, man, I, I think back up. those are super valuable moments. Well, they are. Yeah. I learned so much. Like I, I drank more my first six months in Nashville than I probably did my my whole life. It's a drinking town. It's a drinking town. There's bars dude. everywhere. It's People crazy. People just give you free alcohol when yeah. you go places. Yeah. It's easy to get free drinks at shows. Mm-hmm. Get on the guest list for a show. Get drink tickets. Whatever it is. And it's just so tempting to go down that path. And like I basically. I spiraled out and I kept it going for a couple of years. It wasn't because of booze. Um, Cause I, I don't like being hungover, dude. I can never be an alcoholic. No, it's not a, not a good feeling. No, I definitely prefer to get stoned, <laughs> but that's beside the point. Um, but yeah, I, I look, I look back on really my first two years in Nashville was just me getting adjusted to being here. Like getting adjusted to being in a place where everybody was doing the same thing as me. The culture was very different yeah. than what I was used to. It was very different from up north. Yeah. I mean, I've never been to Maine, but I can imagine. Are we from a big a big town or anything? Not really. Maine, there's only a million people in the state. So it's super Seriously? rural. Yeah. Wow. So when I moved here, I mean, I spent my childhood down in, in Florida, like the Miami area. But... Um, when I moved to Nashville, it was the first time I felt like I was in like a big metro city. Yeah. With skyscrapers and shit. I never lived in a place with skyscrapers. I, I lived like in Boulder and I lived in a couple other places, but they weren't really like that. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's not it's not like down here where there's I mean, this is like It's a city. It's a dense area. Yeah. I had no idea. I had no idea how like high the population was down here. This there's there are more people in the Nashville metro than there are in the entire state of Maine. Yeah. Yeah. I, right. I just checked the other day and there's over one point nine million people in the, just in the metro. That's yeah. not even ta- I'm in Hendersonville. That's not even counting like towns like that. Uh, Brentwood I think is excluded. Like it's crazy. Mm-hmm. And it really made sense when I looked at it. And that's another one of the things that have kind of, you know, threw me off, kind of like how you were saying just now. So yeah, it took some time to get adjusted to. Yeah, yeah, it's 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 like a shock. It's a whole culture shock for me because I'm used to the northern culture is a little bit different down here. There's like, I don't know, like the southern vibe is to me is is a lot. It's kind of foreign, so I'm getting used to that. Um, Definitely. What I think is awesome is it's a lot more. Um, more of a, like a melding, like a melding pot kind yeah. of. I mean, there's I, a lot of different cultures here. Yeah, Pittsburgh had had done had diverse culture to it. Um, I mean, most metros do, but this area for sure. I mean, because it's so much bigger than any city I've ever been to. Ready to do the news, Millhouse? Oh yeah. Dude, they're cunts, bro. Because they're they're the number one people who are responsible for all this shit, dude. I think it's funny. I think it's funny. I don't know. Kind of like a like see ya. Like, <laughs> Have fun cleaning it up. Bye. We've we've survived two world wars where like three percent of the population was killed. Yeah. One time. Yeah. Like a lot of people in the United States. And like I don't know. 
those were pretty close together too. Yeah, really, so yeah, like there's a lot of shit. Like uh, the Black Plague, you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of shit the world's been through. I think that I think we'll survive coronavirus. I think, I think we'll survive it too. I think we already did. I so, haven't heard much more about uh, it. It is crazy, dude. Like, so many of these people are telling us that we need to take care of the environment, yet they're taking private jets, which is like the number one, one of the number one fucking polluters of our environment. Yeah. It's it's private jets. It's like you and six other people on a private plane. Let's take the stuff that we don't want in the atmosphere and put it higher up into the atmosphere. (laughs) And I just, I really hate that. Not to mention the fact that, like... I, I wonder how much of Amazon, like, actually pollutes or destroys the environment and things that they do. Because right. you got to think about it. All the trucks that they have, and they're like efficient fuel, whatever. And meanwhile, people are telling us that we need to to drink from from, from fucking cardboard straws or some shit. Yeah. And it's like cardboard straws aren't going to do shit when we're all still driving cars and i'm i'm not (laughs) willing to stop driving my car nobody is and i feel like if if you're talking shit about climate change or the environment or some shit then if you really want to lead the charge and stop driving your car and take a bike everywhere yeah Yeah. you know what i mean yeah there's there's a lot of hypocrisy kind of i think um i think we definitely need to Definitely need to take care of the planet that we have. Absolutely. It's the only one we have. It's the only one I we mean, have. I mean, they want to colonize Mars, and hey, I think space travel is cool, but I think there's a lot of things that need to be focused on down here. We need, Yeah, we need to fucking work on fixing Earth and like getting in balance with this planet, because otherwise it'll it'll just wipe us off the face of the, face of the planet and yeah. not give a fuck. It'll be like we were never here. Yeah, nature's, nature's more powerful than anything we could do. Oh, yeah. I, I mean, I... I'm sure we could find a way to, you know, blow the planet to pieces. You know, I'm sure we could create explosions big enough to do something like that. But I'm seeing just like as a whole nature, uh, how maybe not blow the planet to pieces. It's a pretty big, pretty big rock in space. But nature as a whole is more powerful than man, I think. Oh, yeah. I feel like the second if we start dropping nukes again, there's going to be a bunch of natural disasters just from Mother Nature being like, fuck you. You're not supposed to do that. Yeah. Yeah. Next story. I've not seen Birds of Prey. I heard mixed reviews. I heard it was one of the better DC movies that have come out. I heard it was better than Suicide Squad, but I did not see any glowing reviews. Here's what I can't stand. I keep getting advertisements made by them saying that the movie is great and like it's Deadpool, and I'm like, I actually... It bombed at the box office. And I can't find any actual reviews on it, dude. I've been looking at stuff, but I just keep seeing their written reviews as that's suspicious. But, uh, Birds of Prey is one of those. Here's what the article says: Birds of Prey is one of those movies that's just so full of stuff. Every frame is packed with weird details, and every scene is so filled with uh, gags that it's not easy to remember all of them. And apparently, she is a Bernie Sanders. Harley Quinn is a Bernie. Sanders. Did she say? Is she say that in the movie? Um, no. 
<clears throat> here's what it says. So like Bernie, Sa or Bernie exists in, the mo in this movie, and he was running for president in the movie. Is Donald Trump the president? Is the cl uh, political establishment the same in that universe as it is here? So... I'm confused. Is Bernie Sanders? Do they talk about him in the movie? Yeah, apparently. Like, so he's he there. Oh, okay. I'm so fucking sick of Hollywood pushing their political views down people's throats. Yeah. It, it it alienates the fuck out of people, and there's reasons why these movies are bombing, and that nobody goes to see them. Yeah. No one actually gives a fuck. It's like every award show is all about, again, them saying we need to we need to take care of the environment, all this shit, and they, like, take a private jet to get there. Yeah. She does mention the fact that she voted Bernie in the movie. I fucking hate that, dude. And I, that, I feel like art is not the place for politics. No, and that's an unpopular opinion. There's a lot of people who, yeah. get, who get mad when I say that. But, but there's also a lot of people that agree with that. And I feel like the, the mass majority of people agree with that. They just won't say it. Rarely, I feel, is super political art good. There, there is stuff that is good, like Rage Against the Machine is good. Yeah, that's Pu very public political. enemy. Rage Against the Machine. I, there are certain political stances you can take that I feel like are very safe to mix with music and, and art. There's also like some nitpicky things that I'm just like, well, this is gonna cause you to, you know, like kind of split some stuff. Like it's like splitting hairs, I guess. I don't yeah, know. I agree. Um, yeah, yeah, exactly. And, and then that's the thing I don't like about it. It's, it's disingenuous. Yeah, yeah. If it, fuck if it Hollywood. I don't like, like it that have shit. Have a place too. in there. Fuck Birds of Prey. And, and then too. it dates the movie instantly too, because everyone's like, "Oh, well, that I know when this, you know." I don't yeah, know. yeah. Dates yeah. That is right. Yeah. Yeah, because we'll watch that movie in like 2070 and be like, "Yep, that was." Oh yes, 20, 20, 2019. Yes. Yes. All right, now for the best one. Um, please don't poop in a sacred temple at Machu Picchu. Six tourists were arrested after the authorities found feces inside the UNESCO World Heritage Site temples on the sun, on, on, of the sun. Uh, that's, that's pretty wild. That's a very Florida man thing, though. <laughs> yeah, I, I wonder yeah. if they're American, because this sounds American. Yeah, that sounds like a very American thing. <laughs> we're going to defecate in the temple of Machu Picchu. Yeah, a so, sacred a yeah. sacred place. Yeah. surreal terraces and ramps life is sweet the world is bountiful and mysterious your day couldn't get any better but at some point you're hit with a terrible inescapable feeling you have to poop <laughs> so were these where were these tourists from um, does it say yeah i want some details I, I... yeah That's where Jeffrey Epstein did his sacrifices. <laughs> in the restricted yeah, area of the Machu Picchu it Temple. I'm willing to definitely bet they're from America. I mean, you couldn't shit in a bag or something like that or out by a tree. or Was it just one of them shitting? I mean, yeah. six of them got arrested. 
was. I feel like this was coordinated. I feel like this was a coordinated strike. Let's go shit in this temple right here. Yeah. Let's get it open a temple. It's a conspiracy. (laughs) Ready to conspire. Yeah, dude, that's pretty wild. Why would they do that? I wouldn't just go outside. They had to shit, dude. All of them at the same time? Was it synchronized? Were they all shitting at the same time? (laughs) That's poor planning on their part. They should be arrested. Just for that alone. You should always plan to. It's eventually you're gonna have to. You're gonna have to, dude. If you're gonna plan, if you're gonna be going up to fucking hike Machu Picchu, yeah, yeah. You got you got to know that there's not gonna be any indoor plumbing there. I just want to know how the cops found them doing it. Did they catch them in the act? It's probably a camera there or something. I wonder if they if they just found the shit and they're like, this is human shit. That would be pretty horrible. So where can people find you at? What is your Facebook, Instagram, all your social media? So you can find me just just search my name, Josh Galati. Um, on Instagram is where I do a lot of uh, a lot of music, a lot of music stuff. I post um, uh, SoundCloud. I have things up on SoundCloud as well. Uh, Facebook I haven't been as active on there. That's a uh, you know. On, on my part, I Facebook need, is for boomers, dude. It, it's become the boomer, the boomer uh, social media site. It really has. It, it's aged. Um, so yeah, I have, I have some stuff up on SoundCloud right now, but uh, it's going to be some singles coming to Spotify hopefully soon. And uh, I don't have any anything any dates to promise, but I'd like to be putting some stuff down. You know, pretty soon I want to get an acoustic EP put together. Nice. And uh, just get some get some things out there for the world to to see on popular streaming services but yeah right now soundcloud instagram are gonna be the two best places just search just search josh galati you'll find me and how do you spell your last name uh g-i-l-o-t-t-y cool oh, dude thank you for coming on thank you for having me man of course appreciate it